Coming up this evening, an NTD business. European countries seizing, seizing the yachts of Russian billionaires. They're trying to pressure Vladimir Putin to end his attack on Ukraine. The U.S. going after Russian oligarchs. U.S. lawmakers introducing a new bill to ban oil imports from Russia. Will it go through and would it be effective? And China-owned social media site TikTok is at the center of a new investigation. Multiple states want to know how the app is affecting the mental health of young Americans. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here live from New York City. In the latest blow to the Russian government, its credit rating has just been slashed to junk status. Raiders say severe Western sanctions have cast doubt on Russia's ability to service its debts. S&P already downgraded Russia last week. This time, it's Moody's and Fitch. A lower credit rating tells investors you're less likely to get paid back. Russian officials have said Western sanctions have hurt its economy, to say the least. A lower rating also makes it more expensive for a country to borrow money. That's if Russia can borrow money at all. Sanctions on Russia's central bank have now made it impossible for it to borrow money from many parts of the world. But sanctions aren't just targeting the Russian government and central bank. Russian oligarchs. They're a small group of people who gained immense wealth after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now countries around the world are seizing their assets in response to the invasion. Anthony's fake quarter has more. Russian oligarch yachts have been seized. France just seized the yacht of the boss of oil giant Rosneft, Igor Sechin. And Germany seized the yacht of billionaire Alisher Uzmanov, the sixth richest Russian. Seized their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for you, ill-begotten gains. Russian oligarchs, elites allegedly close to Putin, are being targeted by sanctions and having their assets seized. The State Department says these oligarchs pillage the Russian state and conceal their immense wealth. These are prized possessions and very dear to these oligarchs. They're yachts. They're, um, you know, some of them would work for a year or two to build these very flashy items and so obviously when you take them away they feel a pain. Roman Sharometa is the founding director of American University Kyiv and an economist who left Ukraine one day before the invasion. Sharometa says countries want the oligarchs to push Putin into leaving Ukraine. That's what's gonna help them to get those assets back to them. Some of those assets will never be recovered, but some of them will. The Justice Department has created a klepto-capture task force to seize these assets. In addition to 10 individuals in last week's sanctions list, U.S. officials are currently preparing a new list. However, the assets won't be easy to get. There's different ways to diversify the risks. One of them is to use offshores, so basically uh, have uh, money uh, put in different accounts overseas. Uh, they have uh, different, uh, you know, luxury items and investments, you know, yachts and uh, and, and houses and apartments. Uh, I mean, you can literally go and see how many uh, expensive multi-multi-multi-million dollar investments they have in New York City. Meanwhile, billionaire Roman Abramovich is trying to sell the Chelsea soccer team, despite not currently being sanctioned. He says all net proceeds from the sale will go to victims of the war in Ukraine. Faye Quarter, NTD News. A Russian oligarch donating to victims in Ukraine. Wonder how that'll go down at the Kremlin.
Some Western banks look set to see losses on the Russia investments. Citigroup says the conflict and subsequent sanctions could cost it billions of dollars. The bank said it's now looking to offload its assets there. Apparently, its exposure to Russia totaled almost $10 billion at the end of last year. That's far higher than previously indicated. Francis Sokgen is afraid Russia could strip the bank of its Russia operations. It's among the largest foreign lenders in the country, with almost $20 billion in exposure. It says it's working to reduce its risks there, but could withstand the worst-case scenario if it had to. Just yesterday, we talked about how problems could spread throughout the financial system, particularly in Europe. We'll revisit that topic next week here on NTD Business. But now, back in the United States, calls to ban Russian oil imports are getting louder. A bipartisan group of lawmakers today introducing a bill to ban energy imports from Russia. Here's Senator Joe Manchin, who chairs the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Energy has become a weapon of war for Putin. And he's using that as a weapon of war. He's using it against all of Europe, if you will. But Ukraine is basically the catalyst of what he's doing. Manchin first called for a Russian oil ban on Monday. He's also urging the White House to work to increase domestic oil production. Earlier today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she would back a bill to ban energy imports from Russia. I believe that Senators Manchin and Murkowski are going to put forth a bill on that today. Where do you stand? I'm I'm all for that. Ban it. Ban the oil. Ban the oil coming from Russia. Yep. That bill would ban things like Russian crude oil, petroleum, petroleum products, liquefied natural gas, and coal. The U.S. imported about 200,000 barrels per day of crude oil from Russia last year. That's according to the American fuel petrochemical manufacturers. Canada and the U.K. have announced restrictions on Russian oil deliveries. And a number of European countries are looking at similar actions. European oil and gas prices cooled off today, but are up significantly since the conflict began. Other commodity prices, though, soared higher today. Aluminum, traded in London, rose 2.3% to an all-time high. Nickel climbed more than 4%. Russia is one of the world's largest producers of aluminum and nickel. Less supply means higher prices. U.S. wheat futures have surged 25% this week alone. Did you know Russia and Ukraine were projected to make over 28% of global wheat exports in 2021? It's according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The crisis has seen global wheat prices surge to try to accommodate both a big drop in supply from both countries. For businesses and consumers, it all spells higher prices ahead. And joining us now live from Ohio is supply chain expert and founder of Fortis Analysis, Ross Kennedy. Ross, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. Good to see you. Appreciate you having me. Ross, energy commodity prices in Europe are through the roof. Are we already seeing a significant decoupling from Russia in all areas, not just those directly impacted by sanctions? I would say that uh, the play is a little bit larger than Russia itself uh, from a supply chain standpoint. You know, most famously, I think everybody's focused on on grain and and the impact to energy as well. Europe gets 40% of its natural gas from Russia, mainly via pipeline. Uh, You're talking about Russia is a major, major exporter of uh, petroleum and petrochemical products. Uh, So naturally, of course, food, energy, two, two major focuses. In a lot of other ways, though, Russia's impact on this is 
not just what it exports as a country, but its role in a larger trading block that, you know, a lot of people know about the BRICS, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. But specifically, uh, you've got a country like China that is very, very, very hungry for the energy products that is produced uh, by Russia. Uh, a lot of it needs to be able to get out of the Black Sea region. That's currently very, obviously very disrupted by the conflict in Ukraine. And so when we, we begin to take a look at this sort of very murky mix of what, what does everybody on sort of both sides of the equation do with regards to the Russia-Ukraine issue, mm -hmm. what we could end up seeing moving forward is a very significant bifurcation in trade where we have a Russia, a China, and Iran uh, and other nations that are in their sphere of influence working together to conduct trade outside of the U.S. dollar, outside of euro, outside of the SWIFT international payment system that settles these transactions of commodities. So it's not just supplies being impacted, but the entire economic dynamic uh, could be very upended by all of this when, you know, when all is said and done. So let me ask you this, Russ. Let me get back to China in just a second. But say, for example, we see this kind of decoupling in a sense between these mm -hmm. three countries are western supply chains able to handle such a sudden uh what would you say dislocation mm -hmm. so we in the west would do we will do fine on energy other than energy will be more expensive because they're pegged to global prices you know futures market things like that uh food we do fine as well um the the real issue is going to become what does china choose to do with this and how does it respond in helping its ally russia sort of navigate this mess over the next you know 90 days 180 days through the end of the year there are certain actions that china may take from a supply chain standpoint that would dramatically impact the united states and the west at large uh, but if we limit the the scope of impact to just trade with russia and europe um, and, and how that impacts us in the west outside of the energy and food side, there's not really a major impact to be had. But the second order effects are quite potentially alarming. I think the, the key kind of motive or purpose behind these sanctions is to cut off financing to Russia. Do you mm -hmm. feel that China has the appetite to kind of replace uh, the revenue that Russia would have got from the West? I, I not only think they have the appetite for it, uh, I believe that they have at least for some amount of time been uh, certainly aware uh, of Russia's plans with regard to Ukraine. Um, if, if not outright, uh, uh, I would say complicit in it, you know, necessarily. You know, 90 days ago, we started seeing cargoes of grain and cargoes of uh, crude oil and refined, uh, you know, refined petrochemical products leaving the Black Sea region with the INCO terms, which is the who, who's responsible for what in terms of risk, all of a sudden those cargoes were loading, they were getting on the ships in the Black Sea, and then they were being uh, owned at that point by whoever the buyer was. You, what you would see, you, a lot of times in international trade, you see the seller, uh, in this case, say, you know, a Russian oil company, would maintain uh, beneficial interest and ownership of that cargo until it gets to a designated port overseas that the buyer designates as part of the transaction. Now what you're seeing is the buyer stepping up and saying, we're going to take the risk. Um, and the reason you would see that happening is because there is a fear that sanctions on products coming from a certain country, in this case, Russia, uh, would impact those countries' ability to buy those products. 
90 days ago, we started seeing that dynamic flip. And it was only seven days ago that we saw Russia uh, really take the first steps towards invading Ukraine. So you're saying basically China perhaps knew this war was coming, knew the sanctions were coming. They didn't want their orders being in Russia's name in case somebody came and froze those orders. Is that correct? That's correct. That's just incredible. Ross Kennedy, Fortis Analysis, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So there you go. You heard it here in NTD Business. The White House is now asking lawmakers for $10 billion to help Ukraine. The money would be used for additional humanitarian security, perhaps economic assistance for the country and its Central European partners as Russia continues its attack. The White House sent lawmakers a formal request yesterday. It was part of a $32.5 billion emergency funding request. The funding that package was initially expected to focus heavily on fighting COVID-19. But the war in Ukraine has dramatically changed things. In Europe, the European Union today approved a $1.4 billion emergency package for Ukraine. And now Chinese tech firms doing business with Russian entities are facing a dilemma. Whether to comply with American sanctions or Beijing's opposition of the sanctions. Anthony's Don Ma takes a closer look. Will Chinese tech firms comply with U.S. sanctions, which ban technology made using American machinery, software or blueprints from being exported to Russia? Or will they comply with Beijing's official position of opposing sanctions? One thing they have to weigh is what Chinese laws say. There is actually a law on the books in China right now saying that if you go along with U.S. sanctions against China, you will be sanctioned. But it seems regardless which side Chinese firms take, there will be consequences. They're going to see their business decline. And that's going to happen if they obey the rules of China. If they disobey the rules of China, they're going to have uh, their heads lopped off. Some firms that faced this dilemma include Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi. Didi initially announced that it would pull out of Russia. But just a few days later, Didi made another announcement that it will continue operations in Russia. Speculation is that it was due to pressure from Beijing. But following Beijing's position means going against U.S. sanctions and possibly facing repercussions. I think it's easy pickings for the United States to go after Chinese companies. I see a lot of their future outside China profits as effectively uh, being cut off. Harris says that Chinese companies are facing a lose-lose situation regardless of what they do. Don Ma, NTD News. Down on Wall Street today, major indexes lower. Ukraine crisis keeping investors on edge. The Dow fell 97 points, three-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 lost 23 points, about half a percent. The Nasdaq lost 214 points, one and six-tenths of a percent today. There's going to be a multi-state investigation into TikTok's impact on young Americans. A group of state attorneys general announced the probe Tuesday. The investigators... We'll look at what the app is doing to keep users so engaged and if the app poses mental health risks. Investigators want to determine whether any of TikTok's practices go against state consumer protection laws. TikTok said it limits its features by age, provides tools and resources to parents, and that it designs its policies with the well-being of young people in mind. Keep you updated. 
The company that many blame for killing traditional bookstores is closing its own brick-and-mortar locations. Amazon is closing 68 of its retail locations, including all Amazon bookstores. E-commerce giant is closing to other physical retail concepts as well, including its four-star and pop-up stores. Company says it will stay in the grocery business in a big way with Whole Foods, Amazon Fresh, and Amazon Go. With that, we take a quick break, but still to come, Apple is setting the date for its first product launch this year. Find out what it's unveiling. And a new Batman movie hitting the theaters tomorrow. We take a sneak peek and hear from the actors. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Watch NTD Business and Epoch TV too. Welcome back, by the way. If you like Apple products, mark your calendar for March 8th. That's the date for Apple's first big product launch of the year. The virtual event where the company will unveil a series of new MacBooks, iMacs, along with the 5G version of its iPhone SE smartphone and an updated iPad Air. The event tagline is peak performance, and if that's any indication, Apple will likely play up the importance of its rumored M2 silicon chip. That's Apple's in-house processor. Rivian Automotive today rolled back price hikes on its electric vehicles booked before March 1st. It's after facing backlash from customers for increasing the prices. On Tuesday, Rivian said it increased selling prices of its vehicles by about 20%. You might remember us reporting it. So that was due to inflationary pressures and higher component costs. But now, Rivian CEO said in a letter to clients that prices for pre-orders as of March 1st will roll back to its previous price. Customers who cancelled orders can now reinstate them. The new Batman film is hitting the silver screen this Friday. In it, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz team up as iconic characters Batman and Catwoman in the latest cinematic iteration of the Batman franchise, The Batman. <laughs> Anthony Andrew Thomas has more. The Riddler is asking for you. If you're looking for a new film noir flick, The Batman could do the trick. Robert Pattinson as Batman and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman join forces to track down a missing girl, as well as locate The Riddler, played by Paul Dano. That's as he's busy murdering high-profile members of Gotham City. But the film is starkly different from the previous incarnations of the DC Comics characters. I feel scared and, and very excited at the same time, but um, definitely intimidated. And, and it, it comes from a good place, you know. I think when you're playing a character that is so beloved, you know, it's, 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 it's what makes the opportunity so special. But you also really, you really don't want to let people down. Pattinson's Batman also has a different silhouette from his predecessors, especially the mask. Everyone else's previous work on it has just proven that you can reinvent this character in like a million different ways. And it's funny because you look at Batman, it's, it's a very particular costume. It's a, it seems like a very particular character, but it can be reinterpreted like at huge opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and so it's interesting to see yeah, how, people, how people receive this one. 
Set in the fictional Gotham City, the film heavily features politics, corruption, poverty, and crime. Colin Farrell looks unrecognizable in his role as the Penguin, spending three to four hours a day in the makeup chair to play the role. There's just massive room to explore this character's life and really get into the world of criminality that he is at the center of, um, but also his life outside of that, his own origin story and, and, and what made him the man that he is and, and how the man that he is is going to become something else in future. There are already rumors of a sequel, but Warner Brothers have announced production for a spin-off television show featuring the Penguin. The Batman hits theaters on March 4th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And just to let you know, AMC Theatres is charging more for the Batman than other films playing at the same theatre at the same time. For example, Entertainment Weekly reports tickets for the Batman cost $1.50 more at Los Angeles AMC. Magazine described it as a pricing experiment. Chain CEO made the announcement Tuesday. He said though variable pricing for movies is a new concept in America, AMC has been doing it for years in Europe. That make you feel better? And trading Pokemon cards is one thing. Shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's on a whole other level. This near mint condition vintage gaming card was sold for $900,000. The Illustrator holographic Pikachu card was created in 1998, was, the only, was only released in Japan. There were more than 30 other offers, but an unknown bidder won out in the end, shattering the former record making it the highest-priced Pokemon card ever sold. The European Space Agency says the planned launch of a rover in a joint mission with Russia to Mars this year is now, quote, very unlikely. It's due to sanctions linked to the war in Ukraine, but the mission remains vital to determining if life could have existed on the Red Planet. Anthony's Andrew Thomas has more. Also known as the ground test model, the Amalia Mars rover is the exact replica of the Rosalind Franklin rover. That vehicle had been set to go to Mars in the fall, but has faced another delay due to the conflict in Ukraine. Amalia won't be going to the Red Planet, but her ground operations remain vital to the mission. It's uh, the exact replica that we use first uh, to perform all the uh, what we call end-to-end -end testing uh, to demonstrate that we are ready for, uh, for the real operation and we will use during uh, the mission to um, recreate a difficult condition that the flight model might uh, encounter. The Rosalind Franklin's launch was already postponed from 2020 due to the pandemic and technical problems. Final tests were only in mid-February. A Mars terrain simulator was also created, where engineers could verify the rover's ability to move on various terrain. The Martian ground we have recreated here represents quite well the surface that we plan to land on during the ExoMars mission, but also the external conditions such as gravity that is different on Mars. We are also capable of simulating specific ground inclinations in case the rover should find itself in situations with different inclinations or obstacles, such as rocks. The six-month mission is part of the European Space Agency's ExoMars program in cooperation with the Russian space agency Roscosmos. The Rosalind Franklin rover is expected to land nine months after its launch. 
it will seek traces of current or past life forms by analyzing soil samples. The NASA rovers, uh, they had uh, problems with the soft sand, so they, they went, they, they they were buried in some difficult conditions. So here in this mobility facility, we can basically test difficult conditions in terms of soil and recreate those conditions and step out from those conditions safely. Scientists believe Mars probably had water at some point, meaning there's a possibility life once thrived there. But those theories have yet to be proven. We know that Mars, from its morphology, has had in the past, and when I say past, I am talking about hundreds of thousands of million years ago, probably some liquid water, so rivers or lakes. And it is presumable that if there were these conditions, there were also some forms of life. We don't know which ones, but it is a possibility. So this project has been built and assembled in clean rooms with this goal in mind. So far, only five American rovers and one Chinese rover have been able to land on the Red Planet. If successful, Rosalind Franklin will be the first European-Russian rover to operate on Mars. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That's the latest business updates for today. You can still catch NTD Evening News. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. NTD Business, that's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.